0: Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, Valley Rise Church. Hey, welcome to part two of Freedom. I am super excited. Did you guys enjoy last week? Was that good? I've had so many people text and call and say man that was really freeing and, and I hope it was as good for y'all as it was for me and I know that this series is amazing I really do feel it first of all I see y'all fanning yourself I know that it's hot in here as well I don't know we gonna through the school or something um, but I, I, um, I, I this series is, is one of those series that um, God wants to do things in your life and he wants to change you and not every week Does it feel like we change? But this series is one of those series that I feel like every week is an opportunity for God to change something inside of us. Every week is an opportunity for God to shift our perspective on something. Every week is an opportunity for us to see God differently, to see ourselves differently, to see the world around us differently. Today is one of those messages. This is probably the most important message I'll preach in my entire life, and it's my favorite message to preach. I've I've preached it several times, but it's my favorite message of all time to preach because I think it brings the most freedom to us um so we're gonna pray and I just want you to ask God as I'm praying God open my mind open my spirit let me see things the way you want me to see things because there's something that only God can do we show up and then there's something the Bible says no man comes to the father unless the Lord and no man comes to the father unless he's drawn so there's something inside of us that has to happen that the Holy Spirit has to draw us in areas God's got to bring enlightenment to our mind there's got to be a moment where the light bulb goes off and it's something that only God can do so as we start this, I want you to just pray as I'm praying. and Just say, God, speak to me. Speak to my mind. Open my mind. Let me see things the way you want me to see them. Because let me say this too. Sorry, we're going to get into it. I just got to give all these disclaimers. Um, all of us are raised certain ways. All of us have biases. All of us have I th- things that we grew up with our parents. Have you ever, your parents tell you something like your whole life and you get older and you're like, that wasn't even the right thing. Like that was really wrong. Why did I think that was so real? But it's just because your parents told it to you your whole life and so you just bought into it. All of us have those things, those ingrained biases inside of us that until we see for ourselves, a lot of times we just rely on what they've told us. And so I encourage you as we process this, as we process the word of God, as we as we take in what God is going to speak to us today, ask that God would reveal those things to you himself. It wouldn't be me. It wouldn't be the preaching. It wouldn't be the great music, but that it would be a moment with God where he speaks something to your heart. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for each and every person here. God, we're so grateful that we get to be here together, that we get to be here as a family, that we get to come together, God, and worship your name and then get to learn. I ask, God, that you would teach all of us something, that you'd teach me, that you'd teach us, God, that we'd grow closer to you and closer to people today. Pray that you would open the eyes of our heart, God, that there would be a moment that you speak to us. Pray that, that God, truly it is your property to speak to your children, and I pray that you would do that. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would whisper the things of our hearts that only you can. And that we leave here today closer to you and closer to each other. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, how many of you um, are rule followers? How many of you are like, you were you like... You got your name. We had like a wisdom tree in school. I don't know what you guys had. I don't even know what it really, what, I don't know what happened if you got in the wisdom tree because I never got there. So it was like a, a barrage of clips and like levels. And like, you know, now my son does it, but they have like paw prints. So he gets a paw print if they're good. And then like, if he works his way up, he gets popcorn and like different things. I'm like, yeah, I'd have starved. I was never getting any treats. Um, so ours, we had this tree and it was, it was called the wisdom tree. And if you were like bad, your teacher would be like, go take your name out the wisdom tree, which was a daily routine for me. And so you walk up there and get your name. You have to put it on like the trunk of the tree. And then every day I get home, my parents would be like, do you keep your name in the wisdom pot? They're like, I, I don't know. Here's the, let me just say this. If your child, when you ask them, that says, I don't know, they do know, they just don't want to tell you they didn't. Okay. Every, my son does the same thing. I'm like, Paul print. He's like, I don't remember. I'm like, that's a no. We'll just go with no. Cause if it's a yes, he definitely remembers. Um, so every, every man, I'm, I was just not a good rule follower. You know what I mean? Like, I, kind of ADHD, I'm kind of all over the place, kind of in and out. And they'd be like, you know, stand in line. I went to a very strict Christian school when I was younger. And so you'd have to stand in line like this. Okay, And and like if you unfolded your hands, that was bad. Like, you're like, the, the, your, your name, don't unfold your hands. You can get out the wisdom pot. You walk in a straight line. It prepared me for the military, okay. You sit at your desk with your hands folded on your desk and I remember one time they called my parents and they were like, hey, listen, um, I'm one of five boys. All of us went to this school. They called my parents, like, listen, um, we don't know. Maybe Christian just didn't like Westminster material, you know? Like, maybe, maybe this isn't the school for him, you know? That, that he's just he's having a difficult time following all the rules. Thank God for a dad who loved me and had my back. My dad said, I know this may be hard for y'all to believe. We're not trying to raise a child who's Westminster material. We're trying to raise a child that's going to change the world. Amen. I'm like, yeah, dad, tell them. I went in the next day. I'm like taking names out the wisdom pot that aren't even, you know, mine. I'm just like, what's up? Changing the world. Everybody's getting spanked when they go home today. I am not a good rule follower, Okay. How many of you are with me on that? You don't like the rules. You like to live on the edge. You like to push it just a little bit. You like to live a little risque. You're my people. You know what I mean? Don't put us all in the room together because I'm saved, but we might just slip up. Like we might just burn the building down. I don't know. I those are my people. I like to live on the edge. I like to have a good time. I like, I've always been like that my whole life. But it created a problem for me when I became a Christian. Because I became a Christian and the Christianity that I bought into was this is all about the rules. It's all about the rules. It's about what you can do and what you can't do. It's about what you should do and what you shouldn't do. It's about if you do this, this happens. If you do this, this happens. And I started to build my relationship with God off of a list of things that I could and couldn't do. I know none of y'all are like that. Y'all just look at me like, oh, shoot, I think he's talking about me, but that's okay. I wish y'all could, sometimes people ask me what it's like to be up here. I wish I could put on some goggles and y'all could all see y'all's faces at one time. Because I see everyone at one time, okay? I don't just see one of you. It's like every single person here I see at one time. And y'all all all make the same faces at the same time sometimes. And it's awesome, okay? So, So I started to build my relationship off of this list of rules. What I can do and what I can't do. And when I did follow the rules, I felt really close to God. And when I didn't follow the rules, I felt really far from God. But the problem is, that's not what a relationship with God looks like. This is a problem that not only we have, but it's a problem that people have had going all the way back to the time of Jesus. And Paul actually addresses this exact same issue. Galatians 3. What has happened to you, Galatians, to be acting so foolishly? You must have been under some evil spell. Didn't God open your eyes to see the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion? Wasn't he revealed to you as the crucified one? So answer me this Did the Holy Spirit come to you as a reward for keeping the Jewish laws? Remember this. They had, you think we have some laws, okay? We have like a few laws, like don't kill anybody, don't cheat, don't steal, don't hurt. Like we got a few laws. They have like, like 700 laws that they have to keep, and they keep like all of them. I'm telling you, you have no clue. Until you go to Israel, it'll blow your mind. I sat at dinner with this guy, 21 years old, and he looks at me and he goes, you want to know something crazy? I'm like, yeah. Like, first of all, I'm like, what is this Jewish kid going to tell me that I'm going to find crazy? Like, like, and he goes, uh, he was from England. He, was doing, he, he moved to, to Israel to do like all his studies. And he's like, I haven't touched a girl in two years. And I'm like, oh, like that's cool. Like, you know, like, made out with a girl whatever. He's like, no. I haven't like, come in any physical contact with a girl in two years. Not a hug, not a handshake, not a high five, not a brush shoulders as you're passing in the street. I was like, Jesus, that is crazy. Like, That's a, he's like, who's Jesus? I'm like, forget that. We'll figure it out later. Um, we, I, I was blown away. And he goes, you know, I haven't, I haven't looked at a woman wrong in two years. I'm like, well, what do you do if you're like walking down the street and like a pretty girl comes walking by you? And they wear those things that if you've ever seen, they like hang down and they're like ropes, they hang down. And he reaches down, he grabs it, and he was awesome. He, I mean, he kind of got how crazy it was. He reaches down, he goes, you see these? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I just squeezed these really hard and pray. <laughs> I'm like, yo, bro, you on a different level. So listen, Paul is talking to them. He's going, did you think that you received this, the Holy Spirit, because you kept all of these Jewish laws? No, you received him as a gift because you believed in the Messiah. Your new life in the anointed one began with the Holy Spirit giving you a new birth. Why then would you so foolishly turn from living in the Spirit by trying to finish your own works? Why would you then so foolishly turn from trying to from living in the Holy Spirit and trying to trying to finish your own works? He goes, They have the same problem. They got saved, they had a revelation of Jesus, they had a moment where they thought, thank God that Jesus is the sacrifice, we don't have to live by the law anymore, the law of sin is broken, we can now live in freedom and in faith with Jesus. But someone came along the way and told them, yes, that's true, but you also got to do all these things. For them, it was circumcision, okay, which is pretty funny. Because how many of you know, that would have made the membership class like pretty much like all female. Like, you go in there and register for both of us, babe, I'm going to stay out here. It was because for them, if you were Jewish, you were circumcised. So they started coming in. Now they had this revelation of Jesus, and then someone came in and said, yes, you have that, but if you really want to be in, you have to do this. You have to be circumcised. And so Paul's coming back and going, no, wait, who told you you have to start following all these rules and put all of these legal system on you that was never intended to be there? Jesus' design was never for us to live by the rules. It was to live by faith. You know why Jesus requires us to live by faith and not rules? Let me let me help you. I know this is gonna again. I need y'all to be open with me because this is, I I grew up in a very strict religious culture. This was a shock when I had this revelation, but it changed my life. It changed my relationship with Jesus. The reason Jesus calls us to live by faith and not by rules, is because it takes no faith to live by the rules. There's no. It, it's easy. We love rules because we know what we can do and what we can't do. You like to be safe. You know, you like it's, it's the road. Thank God there's lanes on the road. I'm safe. I can drive. I know they're supposed to be in their area. I'm supposed to be in my area. This goes here. That goes. We love the rules. But how many of you know that oftentimes life isn't like that, that Jesus calls us out and we go, Jesus, like, there's nothing here. This breaks the rules of, like, gravity. This breaks the rules of, of security. This breaks the rules of my comfort. This breaks the rules of Jesus. And Jesus goes, yeah, but are you living by the rules or are you living by faith? Is your goal to find your, to, to, to work your way up in good works by what you can do, or is it to be close to me? I want to give you three things, three things that separate the law from faith in our lives. The law from faith, because again, Jesus came so that we would live by faith and that we wouldn't live by the law. I know this is hard, because then you start going, well, what does that mean about the law? This is a really good question, and this is like four messages I'm squeezing into one, so bear with me. This is a really good question. People always ask me, if Jesus came and now we don't have to live by the law, why did we ever have the law in the first place? God, from the beginning of time, after Adam and Eve sinned, needed people to see how bad they needed a Savior. You don't know how thirsty you are unless you're like in the desert for like three days and you're really thirsty. Like you're way thirstier than the guy who just drank some water and walked in here out of an air-conditioned car. What the law was in the Old Testament was a, a mark and a measure to show people how far off that they really were. That, hey, here's all of these things you have to do to be right with God. And people realize this is really hard. I can't do all these things. We're, we're having to make, sac- they had to make animal sacrifices every time they sinned. So think about this. You sin. Only you know how much you sin. Okay, let's take mine. I know how much I sin. Would have been No animal and Tomball would have been safe for me. Okay. You would have to get an animal, you'd have to go to the temple, you'd have to sacrifice your animal, okay, forgive me, God. The Bible says that without the spilling of blood, there's no forgiveness for sins. So they had to sacrifice an animal, God, forgive me for my sins. Say you're walking home, and you trip over a stone, and you say something you shouldn't say, guess what? Got to get you another animal, got to go back to the temple, got to sacrifice. That would have been my full-time job. I don't know if there was anyone that that was their full-time job. They're like, what do you do for a living? You're like, I just pretty much sacrifice stuff all day. They, they had to see how hard this was to keep so that when Jesus came, they understood the significance of Jesus' sacrifice. And until each and every one of us can see how far off we are from the mark, we will never understand how badly we need Jesus. And it's going back to what we talked about last week. Until we can see ourselves clearly, we'll never see how deeply we need Jesus. Until we can see how far off we are, we'll never see how great it is for what Jesus did for us. People ask me many times, why, you know, why does God send people to hell? And you all have heard me say this a lot of say says, God doesn't send anybody to hell. God doesn't send anyone to hell. I know you're looking at me like, what? God doesn't send anyone to hell. Hell is a place that people go to pay for their own sins because they refuse the sacrifice that Jesus made for them. Hell is a place that people go to pay for their own sins because they refuse the sacrifice that Jesus made for them. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful that someone decided to step up and pay my sin bill. Because I checked, there was like nobody else in line. Not a lot of people wanted this one. Nobody behind me going like, hey, I'll take his too. I am so thankful that Jesus stepped up and paid my sin bill. I want to give you three reasons, three ways we can tell if we're living by law or by faith. And when I say law or faith, let me make this easy for you. You can call it religion. You can call it a relationship. You can call it church and legalism. Or you can call it relationship with Jesus. Whatever it is that's your system of rules that you've created in your mind to get close to God or a relationship. Okay, let me, let me I'm, I'm trying to set all this up so you can understand this. Um, I love my wife very much. We've been together since we were 16. She was 16. I was a little older. It's kind of weird. Not that weird, but she, we've been together since she was 16. I was 19. I wasn't like 45, okay. I might have just turned 20, but we've known each other a long time. <laughs> and we've, we've been together, grew up together. Her and my younger brother were best friends. Well, I mean, now i got to tell you all because it sounds weird. Uh, so I one day say, hey, Joseph, why don't you go after Alex? Alex is like smoking hot. And he was like, she doesn't like guys my age. I was like, well, what age guys does she like? And he was like, she just broke up with some guys like 19. I'm like, I just turned 20 like last week. 19, 20, what's a big deal? So we've been together since she was 16. Um, I, I, and, and for anyone that's married, you know this. Life is very difficult if I don't walk out of love towards her. Okay, if, if my life consists of me going, okay, listen, don't cheat on Alex today. Don't, don't look at, don't look, don't look. Don't look at that woman. Don't look at that woman. Just look up. Okay, just look up at the sky. Like life becomes very difficult. However, when I live out of the overflow of my love for her, life becomes very easy. Now I'm not worried about anything else because I'm God I love my thank God for my wife. There ain't no Cajun Asian in the world like my wife. Y'all didn't know that, she's part Asian. That's why people go, you Mexican? She's Japanese, okay, Japanese and Cajun. Um, there's no Cajun-Asian in the world like my wife. I'm so grateful for her. I'm so grateful she puts up with me. I'm so grateful for the mom that she is. I'm so when I become very grateful for who God has given me, all of a sudden, all the other possibilities seem very unattractive. I mean, no, that's how God designed us to live. God designed us to live that when we become so grateful for what God has done for us, all of the other things become very unattractive to us. In John, there's a verse that a lot of us will misread, and it says, if you love me, you will follow my commandments. And there's two ways you can interpret this scripture. There's the way that most of y'all probably grew up interpreting it, which was how I did, which is, if you really love me, here's the things you're going to do. If you really love me, you know, you're going to do the commands that I've laid out here. And if you don't. Then we know, you know, I know. But if you love me, and that's how I interpreted that scripture for a long time. Until I saw the heart of God and I understood what I'm about to lay out for you right here. And how that verse really reads is, hey, if you love me, you don't even have to worry about it. You're going to do those things. Hey, if you love, if you're in love with me, all of those things are going to be a byproduct of our relationship. You know, I bring home my wife flowers sometimes. There's no, I don't have a calendar. There's not an alert that goes off my phone. I don't have a list of half-tos throughout the month. I don't sometimes I walk through the store and I see flowers and I go, God bet she'd like those flowers. I'm gonna get those flowers. Get those flowers and come. She goes, what are these for? I just kind of love you and saw these and thought she'd like them. And I don't know. That's the way our relationship with God is intended to be. We do things for God, not because I don't go, man, if I get these flowers, she's not gonna be mad anymore. She's not gonna be angry anymore. She might even kiss me tonight. I mean, I don't know. I do these things out of my love and devotion for her. It's a byproduct of my love for her. The things that I do for her in my relationship with her are a byproduct of my love for her. And a lot of us have been living by a legal system in our mind where we've been trying to do things to get close to God, do things to stay close to God, do things to be good enough for God. And it's really, really hard. Instead of just going, if I will just fall in love with who Jesus is, all of the things that I'd like to do, I'll do out of a byproduct of my love for him. Three things that will show you if you're living by the law or by faith. Galatians 3.10. This is number one. The law depends on us. The law depends on us. Faith depends on Jesus. Galatians 3.10, but if you choose to live in bondage under the legalistic rule of religion, he's addressing the same exact thing. The whole book of Galatians is him addressing exactly what is happening with us most of the time. But if you choose to live in bondage under the legalistic rule of religion, you live under the law's curse. For it is clearly written, utterly cursed is everyone who, fa- who fails to practice every detail and requirement that is written in this law. For the scriptures reveal, and it is obvious, that no one achieves the righteousness of God by attempting to keep the law. Stop right there. Think of what I just said. It is written, for the scriptures reveal, and it is obvious that no one achieves the righteousness of God by attempting to keep the law. For it is written, those who have been made holy will live by faith. But keeping the law does not require faith, but self-effort. Self-effort. What can I do? How good can I be? How much self-discipline can I have? What can I not look at? What can I not say? What can I... And we live our life like, okay, if I can just not do these things, then God's going to be really, really happy with me. Can I just stop for a moment and tell you, God's really, really happy with you right where you're at. God loves you right where you are. He loves you too much to leave you there. He wants to take you on a journey. But there is nothing about you that God looks at and just goes, oh, God, no, not them. You know, your sin doesn't surprise God. He knew when he made you that you would sin. He knew the areas you would struggle in. He knew the areas that would frustrate you. He knew the areas that you would slip on and slip on and slip on and slip on. You know, God already allotted you an amount of grace for everything that you will ever fall short on in your entire life. Your sin does not surprise God. But keeping the law does not require faith but self-effort. For the law teaches, if you practice the principles of the law, you must follow all of them. Yet... Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. He absorbed it completely as He became a curse in our place. For it is written, Everyone who is hung upon a tree is doubly cursed. Faith depends on Jesus, the law depends on us. Are you living by the law? What can I do? You know the verse where it talks about the man gets before Jesus and he says, Jesus, I've cast out demons in your name. I've healed the sick in your name. I've done all these things. I've prophesied. I've done all these things. And Jesus says, Depart from me. I never knew you. That verse used to scare the there's kids, the H E double hockey sticks out of me, okay? Like that verse used to scare me so bad because I'd be like, That's me. I know it. I'm going to get up there. I'm going to be like, Jesus, I did my best. And Jesus could be like, eh, see ya, sucker. Like, I was just scared to death that was going to happen in my whole life. And when I got this revelation, I realized something so powerful. That moment is because this man steps up there and goes, Jesus, look at all of the things I did. Jesus, look how good I am. I prophesied, I healed, I preached. Jesus, I did all of these things. Is is this enough to get me in? And Jesus looks at him and goes, you missed the whole point of this thing. The whole point, it was never about what you could do. It was about what I already did. And when we live life based on what we can do, we negate what Jesus already did. When we live life based on what he did, life is better for us and everyone around us. And it gives all glory to Jesus and none of the glory to us. God's design was that our faith would be in Jesus and not on how good we can or cannot be. Number two, the law condemns, faith convicts. The law condemns, faith convicts. We're talking about freedom of the spirit, if I didn't say that at the beginning. Freedom of the spirit. How to live free in your spirit. The law condemns, faith convicts. Romans 8. Romans 8. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus. Okay, let me just stop right here and address what this means. Okay, so now the case is closed. Paul is telling us the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. Do you know what that means? The voice that tells you, God, you see, I knew you'd mess up. You can't do this thing. God, if they only really knew who you were, if they knew what you really struggled with, if they knew the issues that you've been hiding, if they knew the secrets that you have, man, you're a fake. Man, you're a liar. Man, you're a horrible parent. Man, you're, I, y'all, don't, y'all don't hear those voices. Do y'all, that's just me, huh? I know, it's just me. That voice, he says, there's no, that's the enemy's only job is to condemn and, 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 and toss lies in our mind that we continue to tell ourselves. But he says the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. You know why the devil loves to try and condemn us? Because he is the only person who lives in constant condemnation and can never be redeemed. And because he is condemned, he wants all of us to be condemned with him. And so now he wants you to feel what he feels all the time. He wants us to live in what he has to live in all the time. And Paul says, listen, there is no reason for you to ever live in condemnation. Once you're in Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointed of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. What does that mean? He goes, you don't have to walk in that condemnation anymore. Let me ask you a question. This is going to be controversial. (laughs) Should you feel guilty when you sin? You guys are looking at me like, is this a trick question? Should, Should you feel guilty when you sin? I know you're all like, I know the answer is no, but I should say yes. Maybe it's yes. Should you feel shameful when you sin? Maybe, maybe not. Let me ask you this. Is guilt a sin? Yes. Is shame a sin? Yes. Okay, so how would a double sin help you get closer to Jesus? Okay, so you've sinned, and now I'm going to walk in shame and guilt, and that double sin is going to get me closer to Jesus. Okay, that makes no sense. Only to the devil in our minds does that make any sense. God's plan was never that we would walk in condemnation, it's that we would walk in the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit is very, very different from condemnation. You're like, what is the difference? I'm going to tell you. Aren't y'all so excited? (laughs) I want to give you the difference between condemnation and conviction so that you will know and that you never have to walk in it again. Number one, condemnation is done by the devil. Condemnation is done by the devil. Okay, that's his full-time job is to condemn you. You're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. You, you, you keep slipping up. You keep messing up. You're not, it's always done by the devil. God never condemns you. God's never going like, hey, you, not good enough. Never from God. Two, it is always general. You're the worst dad in the world. What does that mean? Like, What did I do? Just in general, I'm the worst dad in the world? You're the worst husband. God, you're a bad Christian. Man, you're not even good at your job. It's always general. It's just general stuff he throws at us. God, you suck as a husband. Okay, all of the general things that he will throw at us. And then number three, it always pushes you away from God. It pushes you away from God. It leaves you feeling like this. I'm not going to be able to do this thing anyways. I knew, it was, I knew I shouldn't have tried this. I knew I'd never be able to live up to these standards. I knew I shouldn't have gone through growth track and said I was going to serve on the dream team. If they really knew... They wouldn't even want me on the dream team. Hey, let me help you out. I feel that way, okay? I come to church, I'm like, if they really knew me, they'd be like, why are we listening to this guy? We all feel that way if we allow the enemy's voice to be the voice that we listen to. It's always general and it always pushes you away from God. It's always done by the devil. Conviction. Conviction is number one, done by the Holy Spirit. It's that still small voice inside of you, not in your head, the still small voice in your heart. Do y'all know the difference between those? You know when it's your head and you're going like, I'm just suck, I'm just not good. Like, why am I doing why am I trying? And that voice in your heart that just goes, hey, I'm not, this doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel right. Okay, it's always done by the Holy Spirit. Two, it's always very specific. It is always very specific. Go apologize to your wife for what you said. Go to work and tell them you shouldn't have looked at that with them yesterday. Okay, stop doing, when you do this, that feeling, I don't, I don't like that feeling. I'm not comfortable with that. When you were watching this, it hurt me. It grieved me. Okay. It's always very specific. It's a moment that God will bring to you that you know and the Holy Spirit knows, I, I went too far there. I did something I shouldn't have done. I didn't do something I should have done. I, 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 that wasn't good. I don't like the way that made me feel. It's always very specific. And then number three, it always draws you back to God. It always draws you back to God. I saw somebody post a thing the other day and it was so good. And it said, Religion is, oh shoot, I messed up. Dad's going to kill me. Relationship is, oh shoot, I messed up. I've got to talk to dad. This is the difference between these two. This is the difference. Oh, shoot, God, God God's going to kill me. God, please, just don't strike me dead today. Let me just make it through the day. I'll make it better tomorrow. I promise, God, I'm going to have a better day tomorrow, and then you won't have to kill me. Relationship is, God, God, man, I, blew, God I blew it, and I need you. God, I blew it, and I want to be close to you. God, I blew it, and I want to make me more like you. And God is such a loving father that he always reaches down and picks you up and goes, hey, brushes you off. Let's go. Let's keep going. You got this. Come on, we're. you know what, we didn't like that. Let's move on. We're going to get past this. You're going to grow. You're going to grow. How many of you ever helped a kid ride a bike? Okay? It's that. It's that process. I want you to see that in your mind. Every time that you feel like you're failing, every time you feel like you missed it, every time, and you're tempted to think that God is angry with you, God is condemning you, that God doesn't love you, I want you to have that image in your mind of you picking that kid up off the bike, brushing him off, going, hey, come on, we're going to get it this time. And they ride a little further and they fall. Hey, come on, it's okay. You're going to get it this time. And they ride a little further and they fall. Hey, come on, you got this. Hey, wipe those tears. You're going to be fine. We're going to get this. Let's go. And you ride a little further. And one day what used to be really hard really, really easy. That is the heart of your Father who loves you, and it's such a different picture from condemnation, which goes like this: You're walking down this path, and you fall into a hole on the side of the road, and you it, it goes like this: God, you're such you're terrible at walking. <laughs> yeah, I am terrible at walking. You just stay there. Why do you even try walking down? Why do you even try to walk down that road? I don't know why I tried to walk down that road. I should just stay here. I guess I should just, I should probably just go back home. I don't even know why I wanted to go there. I don't, and it takes us out of the game. We're not even on the road anymore. But many times the lie of the enemy is to make us feel this guilt and shame, which we interpret as being close to Jesus sometimes. You feel really guilty, so you pray really hard. Okay, I, again, I know y'all don't do this. Let me just tell you about what, what I used to do. I sin, I mess up, I feel really bad, I pray really hard. God, please forgive me, God, please forgive me. I just want to be close to you, God. I just want to be close to you, okay? I'm not ever going to do it again, God. Please, just forgive me this last time. If you forgive me this last time, it will never happen again. I know I said that last time, but this time I'm serious, God. It will never happen again. And, and you kind of feel close to God in those moments. You kind of feel like, like God embracing you because he does. And you kind of feel like, okay, this is it. This is really it this time. I'm going to really do better this time. I'm really going to make it happen this time. This time I'm going to win. And I don't know if you've ever seen the abused spouse cycle, okay? But it's pretty much what the enemy does with us, which is we go through a moment where, where, where we do something we shouldn't do. And then we make up for it by trying to get really close to our spouse and love on them. And then they always have this time of intimacy and connection that makes them feel really close But inevitably, they always end up back in the cycle. And a lot of times, psychiatrists say the reason they end up back in the cycle is because the only way they know how to get to the intimacy is through the abuse. The only way they know how to get back to the intimate moment of connection is because of the abuse cycle, is by going through the abuse. So they start abusing just so that they can have an intimate time of connection together at the end because they've never been taught what healthy connection really looks like. How You know, as a church, many times we have not been taught what a healthy connection with God looks like. And so the enemy will convince us that when we mess up, it's just us pleading before God and, God, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. Okay, God, this time I'm going to do better. This time I'm going to do better. And then you mess up and then you start, God, I just I don't know why I'm even trying this, God. I don't even know why I'm trying. I'm always going to mess up. I'm always going to be like this. My mom was like this. My dad was like this. My grandma was like this. I don't know why I'm even trying to do this and, okay, God, please forgive me, please forgive me. And we end up living our life like this, walking in a circle. And you know what the whole point of it is? It's so that you never impact anyone in your world. It's never about you anyways. The enemy's whole plan is that you never impact or affect anyone around you. And if he can keep you so caught up on feeling bad about you and feeling sorry for you, then you never live a life that affects anybody else. And it's almost like if you're in a room fighting yourself in a dark room and somebody turns on the lights and you realize you've been like just fighting yourself. And you're like, I thought I was fighting the devil. <laughs> it's just me. It's just me. And most of us live our lives fighting ourselves and never picking our head up and realizing there's a hurting and a broken world out there. Jesus paid for your sins. Don't have time to, to sulk over them, feel sad over them, be depressed over them. Get up and go love Jesus and love somebody in the world. There are people that need you. And when we spend our own time being caught in condemnation, it stops us from going out into the world and doing what Jesus called us to do. Think about how Jesus dealt with Peter, and I've preached this message. Peter denied Jesus. Like, you don't mess up any more than that, okay? No one in here has sinned more than Peter. Like, he was like, Jesus, me and you, forever. Ride or die, baby. I got you. Got you forever. They're like, we're about to crucify Jesus. Peter's like, hold up real quick. i got to run to the store. I'm going to be right back. Like, no one has ever done worse than what Peter did. He literally denied Jesus. And then, if he didn't feel bad enough, he does it like three more times, okay? They're like, you know Jesus? He's like, who? Jesus? I don't know Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> it's a different place you're at. He denies him three times. No one is the, And then when Jesus meets him, okay, after he's been resurrected, I've preached this message for those of you who, who want to hear the whole message, and it's, on, it's called Restoring Your Relationships. It was probably the second month of the church. When he sees him, all Jesus asks him three times Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you know I love you? Peter, do you, know, do, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, you know I love you. Okay, tend to my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Jesus, yes, you know I love you. Follow me. How many know that is the way that Jesus is with us that when we get in this, when we mess up, when we fall, when we slip up, that Jesus doesn't go, God, I can't believe you would do that. You're so stupid. Should have never made you that stupid. Like, like all of a sudden he messed up with you. He's like, did we put it all in him? Did we, did we make sure? Both sides of the brain? Oh, God, this guy's just real dumb. Just keeps messing up on the same stuff. Really didn't think he was going to get him again. How many of you know Jesus knows everything? He knows your past. He knows your present. And he knows your future. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He knows the sin you'll commit next month. It's why the Bible says, while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. So I say, if he loved you enough to die for you then, that he loves you exactly where you're at right now. And his goal was never for you to walk in condemnation, but that you would be close to the Holy Spirit. Walk in spiritual freedom out of a relationship that's born out of love. God's design is for us to never walk in condemnation, but always conviction. And then number three, as we close... The law brings death. Faith brings freedom and life. The law brings death. Religion brings death. The rules bring death. Faith, relationship, trust in Jesus brings freedom and life. 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3. Did I miss a verse? Hold on. Every verse in here is very important. Did I give you all Romans 8? Did I give you Romans 8? Okay, good. All right, 2 Corinthians 3. Yet we don't see ourselves as capable enough to do anything in our own strength. For our true competence flows from God's empowering presence. He alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on an entirely new covenant. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the Spirit. Why? Because the letter of the law, what? Kills. But the Spirit pours out life. The letter of the law kills; the spirit pours out life. Let me explain this to you because I feel like people have never seen this before. Sometimes, okay? Got all these bright lights up here. So if y'all are hot, I promise I'm way hotter. <laughs> those lights have those little slots that you put a filter in. Okay? You ever see those lights and they put a filter in? They could turn them blue. They could turn them orange. They could turn whatever color they want. And they put a little slide over it, and, and there's a filter there. When Jesus died for us, Jesus paid for your sin bill, when he took the sins of the world and when you said, Jesus, yes, pay my sin bill, all of a sudden, Jesus became the filter between you and God, okay, so what does that mean? It means if the filter on this light is blue, you know what color light you see? Blue, you see blue light, okay. If it's red, you know what color light you see? Red, like you guys are catching on, okay. Try one more for the class. If it's yellow, what do you see? Great, awesome. You guys are getting it. When Jesus sees when when God looks at you through the Jesus filter, do you know what He sees? He sees Jesus. He sees perfect. He sees blameless and spotless. He doesn't see you the way you see you. He sees you through the lens of Jesus' blood once you've become a believer. And we're able to walk in freedom because we're not scared of a father that's going to come down when we mess up and go, I saw that. Because guess what? He doesn't see that. He sees you the way he always intended you to be, which is covered in the blood of Jesus, perfect in relationship with him, holy and pure before him. And when you think that you are big enough for God to see your sins over Jesus, you miss the entire sacrifice of what Jesus did. That Jesus' blood is big enough to cover All, all, all of our sins. All of our sins. Jesus doesn't, God doesn't look at you and go like, is that lust sneaking up out of under that sin covering? Is that, looks like lust. That guy's got an issue. He sees you in Jesus. And when we understand that, it empowers us to live a life. What is he talking about? The, the letter of the law kills, but the spirit pours out life. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the spirit. You know what the power of the spirit is? It's the Holy Spirit living in you and your love for Jesus. The Holy Spirit living in you and your love for Jesus. Me and my wife, some of you have heard the story, me and my wife... On the verge of divorce one time, horrible marriage, and we're having a conversation after our marriage is good, and we've been together, and every, and one day I look at her and I just go like, "Hey, you were a way better person than me. Like, you, I, thank you for sticking me when I was selfish and when I was a jerk and when I was just doing my own thing and when I was prideful. And I, how do you love me the way you love me? Like, I just that makes no sense to me. And and she, she's listen, she's not just pretty, she's so smart. She looks at me and she just says, Christian, the way I love you." is between me and God, it has very little to do with you. Why? Because her devotion to me comes from her love for God. Her devotion to people comes from her love for God. The reason she does or doesn't do something isn't because she's good enough or not good enough. It's because when you love God, you immediately want to start doing things that please his heart. When you love God, you love people better. When you fall in love with Jesus, you're nicer to people around you. It's why the Bible has the fruits of the Spirit. Because when you're in love with Jesus, all of these things are a byproduct of your life. So you don't have to go anymore, okay, i got to get better, i got to be nicer to people. I got No, get closer to Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus more. See who he is and what he did for you more. And as a result, you'll begin to be way nicer to people. Because I can't look at anyone else differently once I realize how Jesus loves me and what he's done for me. I need to be a better husband? Good, then love Jesus more. Because when you love Jesus with all your heart, it makes you the best husband that you can be. i got to be better at what I do. Good, fall in love with Jesus, and Jesus will give you God ideas, and he'll put excellence in your heart. And you'll start doing things that you didn't even know you were capable of doing out of a byproduct of your relationship of love with Jesus. Jesus never intended this thing to be about the rules. Jesus never, he went to the Pharisees and he goes, you guys follow all these rules. You look great on the outside, but you're a tomb. You're a whitewashed tomb. You're dead on the inside. And a lot of times we've lived life like that, trying to check off all the boxes, trying to do everything right, trying to make sure that we have it all done and all together and everything. And really, he just wants your heart. Because if you love him, you will. If you love him, you get to, you don't have to. If you love him. You're going to do the things that please him because it's out of a heart of love. And when you mess up, like a loving father, he will pick you up and brush you off and go, hey, let's keep going. Come on, you got this. Come on, let's keep going. We're on a journey. And I love the song we sang today because, listen to me, he is so much bigger than we think that he is. We have God in a box in our mind, and somehow God is so thrown by your sin. Oh, my God, your sin broke it. God doesn't know what to do with your sin. I just want to tell you, I, this message means so much to me because it was this is what kept me away from Jesus for so long. It was the guilt. It was the condemnation. It was the feeling like I can never do it. It was the feeling like, like eventually I just gave up because I couldn't do it. And it was when I gave up that Jesus goes, good, that's exactly where you need to be because it's only then do you realize that you can never do it. It's why you need me so bad. It's why you need your relationship with me so bad. It's why you need to fall in love with me so bad. Because on your own, you can never, ever, 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 ever do it. Hey, can I encourage you, church? Let's not try and do this thing on our own today. Let's not try and make a checklist of rules and regulations that we live by that judge if we're really good or if we're really bad. Let's fall in love with Jesus. And as we fall in love with Jesus, You will. You will. You just will. It will be a byproduct of the overflow of the love in your heart. And I always say this when I preach this message because it's so true and it's true in the south especially. Um, They did a, Gallup poll did a survey of all the regions of America and how people related to God. And the one overwhelming feature in the south was that God was mad at people. God was mad at people. God's up there on a big throne like Oh, just lightning and thunder. And like, don't you mess up and throw lightning at you. And you're going to, or hurricane's coming if you mess up Houston. Like, we just, like, that was the, the, the perspective of people of God in the South. Can I just tell you that God loves you so much? That God's not angry at you. He's not mad at you. He's not frustrated with you. He doesn't think less of you. Your sin's not too big for him. He loves you. He's proud of you. He believes in you. He's for you. He's cheering you on. He's got great plans for you. He has a purpose for your life that if you could see from the end, it's exactly what you would pick. And if he could be here right now, it's what he would say to you. I love you. I'm for you. I'm cheering you on. Come on, we got this. God's heart for you is that. And I'm reminded of it every night when I tell my son who's right here and he could say it if I'd let him, okay? I sit with him and we go through our little thing and then I look at him and you'll have heard me say this. I say, you're awesome. You're a leader. You're wise. You're smart. You're a learner. You're handsome. You get your good looks from your dad. You're amazing. You're, you're gonna be a great leader. You're strong. You're an athlete. You're the best. You're kind to people. You love God. You love people. You're gonna change the, and he goes, world. And every time I'm so reminded that if God could pick us up and put us on his lap, He would look at you and he would say, you're awesome, you're wonderful, you're amazing. I created you uniquely from every single person in the world. You have plans and purposes for your life that you can't even dream of. I put gifts inside you that I only gave to you. You have the best personality. You make me laugh. I love watching you from heaven. You are a leader. You are wise. You are gonna change the world because it was his plan all along. It was his plan all along that you and that I would be the agents of change in this world as we love Jesus and the world around us. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we love you so much. God, may we live a life out of the abundance of our love for you. May it never be about how good we are. May it never be about how much we can do, how many rules we can keep, how good of a day we can have. May it always be about our love that overflows out of us for you, Jesus. May we never take your sacrifice for granted. May we always be aware of how much it costs you to cover our sins. And God, may it grow a deep, deep love inside of us every time we remember it. Thank you, God, that you realized we couldn't live by the law. There was no way we could do it. We'd never make it. And that you sent your son for us, for me, for my sins, to pay my sin bill. Jesus, I'm so thankful. I pray that it allows us to live a life of freedom, God. I pray that it would bring freedom to our hearts and minds, freedom to our spirits. That we no longer would feel bound by rules and regulations, but we would feel freed by the love of God. To walk a life that we could never live on earth. I love you so much, Jesus. And just like last week, you know, every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray for you. If this is something that you struggle with, that you go, Christian, I've struggled. with The condemnation, conviction, that's me. The, the, the frustration with not being able to do it right, that's me. The constantly feeling this guilt and shame because I just can't live by all the rules, that's me. But today I want freedom in my spirit. I want to remove the bondage of law, sin, and death that I've been living under, and I want to walk in that life-giving power. Okay, this is different than salvation. This is your Christian, but you feel what I'm talking about. You've been living by the rules, and today you want freedom in your spirit. Would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. You can put your hands down. I just want you to just put your hands in your lap and open them. I'm believing that God is going to do what only he can do and bring freedom to your spirit. God, you see each and every person. You see every hand. God, you see your children who are reaching up to their father. God, I ask that you would speak to them. God, I ask that you would show them a picture of how much you love them, how much you are for them, how awesome you think that they are. God, I pray that they would feel the loving embrace of a father and that you would empower them to live a life born out of the love of Jesus. they would live a life, God, that's born out of their deep love for you. God, I pray against every attack of the enemy, every lie of the enemy, every condemnation of the enemy, every shaming and guilt of the enemy, God, we pray that you would break it off of them and that there would be freedom in them, God. There would be life in them. There would be hope in them. There would be joy in them. And that when they mess up, they run to their loving Father who brushes them off and picks them up. And says, let's keep going on this journey together. God, I pray fresh freedom in their heart and mind. I pray fresh joy in their heart and mind, fresh love in their heart and mind. God, empower them to live the life that they never thought they could live. But only through you, Jesus, can we truly live it. I pray you bless them. I pray even as they sleep tonight, God, they would feel the smile of your love on them. They would feel the smile of your love. They would feel the the, the covering of your spirit, Jesus, on them. And that it would change the way that they live. God, I pray for freedom in the spirits of people today in Jesus name now those those of you here today that maybe you've never made that decision that maybe you go Christian I, I, I've been to church or I've been to religion but I've never experienced that that what you talked about today not the guilt, not the shame, not the condemnation the love, the joy, the relationship the deep desire out of my love I've never encountered that I've never had that Christian but today, I want that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. between you and Jesus and me, because I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up so I can pray for you? Amen. Amen. Last time, if that's you, you go, Christian, that's me. I want that. I want that. I want to pray with you today. I want to pray with you today. Amen. We're going to pray, and I want you to repeat after me. You can say it under your breath. You can say it out loud. You can say it in your heart. As long as you mean it, this is between you and God. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you that before I knew I needed you, you paid the ultimate price for me. Today, Jesus, I recognize how badly I need you. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came to this earth to live a perfect life. And then you died the death I should have died to pay for my sin bill. And then you rose from the dead to give me freedom and life abundantly. Today, Jesus, I choose to follow you. I choose to become a follower of Jesus. I choose to let you pay my sin bill. To put my hope in you, my trust in you my faith in you and to fall in love with you every day. Change me, grow me, make me into what you want me to be. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, would you give a hand to those who just made the greatest decision of their lives? Amen, amen. Hey, I hope that this, Brought some freedom for you, and I know that there's always questions that come with this. Feel free to reach out to me or email me. Or I know that this is for those of us who were brought up in a religious background. This is a difficult. This is a difficult message. This is a difficult message. The first time I preached at my dad's church, it was so bad. It was so bad. Like a lot of people left the church. It was really bad. And um, ten years down the road. It just took him a little time to catch up. If you come from a very religious, legalistic background like I did, and that's the culture I came out of, this is a very hard message because we're used to making it off of what we can do for God, how good we can be for God. I want you to know again, you're good enough for God right where you're at. He loves you too much to leave you there. Doesn't mean he doesn't want to change you. Doesn't mean he doesn't want to grow you. Doesn't mean there's not stuff in your life that he's going to go, hey, I don't like that. One of my my favorite examples Somebody asked me about, you know, drinking. What does God think about drinking? Okay, and I, my answer is always, my pastor gave me this answer, and it's always my answer. God's not concerned about that. God wants you. And if he gets you, he can talk to you about that if he wants to. God's desire is for you to have a relationship like me and my wife have a relationship. And if something bothers her, she goes, hey, I'm not okay with that. And then I go, okay, I won't do that. Yeah, I didn't like the way that made me feel. Okay, I won't do that. God's not concerned about everything else. He wants you. And if he gets you, he'll talk to you about anything else that he wants to. When we understand that, it allows us to walk in such freedom. And it pushes us so close to God because we want to know what his heart for us is. I hope that y'all are enjoying this. I believe that this series is going to bring such great freedom to us. I ask you, pray for me. This series, I'm just telling y'all, you can believe what you want to believe. I am not a super spiritual person at all. You're like, you're a pastor. I know, okay. But I'm not like hokey. I'm not. From the moment I started writing the first message for this series, it is like the devil himself has attacked me. Literally. I mean, I woke up in the middle of the night twice this week fighting, like fighting because somebody was trying to kill me, and Alex woke me up. And she's like, What's going on? What are you. The only times it happens is when the devil is trying to mess with something that God wants to say to you That's it. It's the only time it's ever happened in my entire life is when God's going to do something. So pray for me and know that this is important. The enemy doesn't want you to walk in freedom. He would love for you to stay in condemnation. He'd love for you to not affect anyone at work. He'd love for you to live frustrated with yourself. He'd hate for you to pick up your head and go, it's not about me. I'm going to love people. I'm going to press forward. I'm going to be selfless. And I'm going to get close to Jesus. Hey, I'm so grateful for you guys. Yeah, clap. Yeah, that was really good. I mean, so it's like preach my butt off and you guys are just staring at me. Now's when I wish you guys could see yourselves. Um, hey, if you can't prepare to worship with your giving today, we got three ways that you can do that. You can give in an offering envelope. And if you made the choice for salvation, man, check that box. I would love to send you a letter with some next steps just to help you get more involved if you want. Um, it is so, I, I love reading your prayer requests. They go in the bucket with, with that. I love reading your prayer requests. Y'all have no clue. I cry when I read your prayer requests. I, I pray over your request. The, my favorite ones, though, somebody wrote one yesterday. <clears throat> And and they just said, since we came to Valley Rise, our life has been changed. Twenty-one days of prayer changed us. You know, we just, and and I just every time I see those, I just think like that is y'all's fruit. That is y'all. It's somebody. It's a friend that brought them. That's y'all's fruit. And it's so amazing to watch God do things in Valley Rise. Me and Rob were standing in the back earlier, and Rob, who's been with us since the beginning, he just said, man, me and me and Macy were talking the other day about how like. When we first started, there was like 30 people. And he's like, every time I'm watching new people walk in, I'm just like, this is crazy. I'm like, it's equally as crazy to me. Every Saturday night, the devil's like, nobody's showing up. I'm like, you're probably right. I don't know. Probably tomorrow's probably going to be the day. But I love watching God do something in y'all, and it doesn't happen without you guys. So anyways, put, the, put that with your prayer request in there. That's where I was getting your prayer request in there on that thing. Check if you got saved. We'll get you some information. You can give online at ValleyRiseChurch.com. Click the giving link or you can text Valley Rise and the amount to 77296. We're gonna pray over this and I'll let you get out of here. Dear Lord God, thank you so much for each and every gift and giver. God, thank you that as we give to you, God, you take it and you do more with it than we could ever imagine. God, that we get to sow into your kingdom. We don't have to, we get to. We know, God, that all good things come from you. And anything that you have given us, God, first came through your hands. So, God, we're so grateful to bring it back to you and just say, God, we love you. We want to invest into your plans. We want to give back to you. We want to honor you. And as we do, God, we know that you will pour out more than we could ever imagine on us. I pray that you bless them watch over them, keep them. God, bless every gift and every giver. I pray that you protect our families, God. I pray for your guardian angels to surround each and every person here. I pray that this will be the greatest week of their life. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.